the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. City, WLCC, Brandon. Faith Talk Tampa. Download the Faith Talk Tampa app. Or listen on TuneIn and Odyssey. The following is sponsored by Verse by Verse Ministries and is pre-recorded. Now, in what way, though, does John mean that we'll be like Christ? Well, he certainly doesn't mean that we're going to be little gods. Understand that. We're never going to be deity. We're not deity. We will never be equal to Christ. He is God, and we are simply redeemed people. When John says that we'll be like Christ, he means that we will be like him in terms of holiness, character, righteousness, as well as we will have immortal, glorified, resurrected bodies just like his. I don't know just what the Bible means when it speaks of believers receiving glorified bodies when we are resurrected, but I do know that mine will be a lot better than the aging and very unglorified one I now inhabit. C.S. Lewis wrote that we do not have souls, we are souls who have bodies. Still, for some reason, God made us in such a way that our physical bodies are important. Our physical condition can influence our spiritual well-being. Not control it, but for sure affect it. John MacArthur, in his sermon, The Necessity of Our Resurrection, said, Our ultimate completion depends on a renewal of both body and soul. But I wonder, if we will be like Christ, will we be able to pass through walls as he did after his resurrection? Will we be able to appear instantly in any place as he did? Well, it looks that way, but the Bible isn't very clear on that and many other things we might wonder about. But God does promise that we will be changed and it will be wonderful. Hello and welcome to Verse by Verse, a Bible class of the air led by Pastor Steve Kreloff. Pastor Steve has been serving since 1981 as the teaching pastor at Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. Verse by Verse is the way we make his practical Bible lessons available to a wider audience. We are in the midst of a series of studies about the ways we can know for sure that we have eternal life. In our last class, Pastor Steve began sharing about our eternal future with Jesus Our text is 1 John chapter 3, but no discussion of the resurrection can be complete without a good look at 1 Corinthians chapter 15. But before we move on, let's back up and go to the Gospel of John to review some of those difficulties with the world around us that help mark us as children of God. One evidence that we have been converted is the fact that we become estranged from those who do not have eternal life. They don't understand us anymore. In fact, they don't even like us. Here's Pastor Steve. John chapter 15, Jesus, starting in verse 18, says, If the world hates you, you know that it hated me before it hated you. If you were of the world, the world would love its own, but because you are not of the world, but I chose you out of the world, because of this, the world hates you. He said, Remember the word that I said to you, a slave is not greater than his master. If they persecuted me, they'll persecute you. If they kept my word, they'll keep yours also. But all these things they will do to you for my name's sake, because they don't know the one who sent me. And he goes on to say, they didn't know me either. 
They were guilty of the sin of willfully being ignorant of who I was. They were more content to have their religious rituals than to know the truth. They didn't recognize Christ. They didn't want Christ. They wanted their religion, the comforts of their religion, but they didn't want to be convicted of their sin. They didn't want the rebuke of Christ's holiness, so they chose not to recognize him. They were blinded by their own sin. They did not know him. And John says, don't let it surprise you. They didn't know him. They're not going to know who you are. Now, I want to think about this together for a few minutes of what John is telling us concerning the world's attitude towards us as children of God. When we become Christians, we get very excited about it. We're excited. We, we evangelize. Sometimes we're a little bit overzealous where we're pushy. But understand, we're excited, but your unsafe friends your unsaved family members, they don't care. They don't know what happened to you. They don't care really what happened to you. And they are not interested in what happened to you. We know something's happened to us. We know that God has become our father. We may not understand all the issues of salvation, but we know that we have entered into a relationship with God through Christ. The Spirit of God has been poured into our hearts whereby we cry, Abba, Father, as we speak to him in prayer, and then we begin to grow in our relationship with Christ. Before long, we notice that certain values are beginning to change. Our, our goals, our, our ambitions are, are different. The things that once thrilled us no longer thrill us. The things that once held no attraction to us, such as Bible study, church involvement, evangelism, they now deeply interest us. They deeply interest us. However, our initial excitement about being a Christian is not shared by unsaved family members. It's not shared by unsaved friends. They think you've lost your mind. They consider our new behavior strange. They may even laugh at us for being so different from the way we used to be. You'll hear things like, what have you joined the cult? You're a fanatic now. Words like that. But John tells us, to take heart. He tells you to take heart because the people of this world are unable to see and comprehend who you really are. You're a child of God, but they can't see that within your soul. They can't see that within your soul lies a divine nature, a divine nature because you're one of God's children. But John said they did the same thing to Jesus. He came God veiled in human flesh. They could not see the truth about him, that this Jewish man from Nazareth, within him dwelt all the fullness of deity. So take heart. Take heart. You be excited about your salvation, even if they're not. Don't expect, though, your unsaved friends to share your enthusiasm. They cannot see the truth about you. Now, so far, John has told us two important truths about children of God. They are children of God simply because of the Father's love. Children of God are not recognized or understood by the world. As John continues, he gives us a third truth about the children of God, which is children of God will someday be like Jesus Christ. Someday we'll be like him. Verse 2, beloved, now we are children of God, and it has not appeared as yet what we will be. 
John reiterates at the beginning of this verse the great truth that right now we are the children of God. That's what he says. Whether the world recognizes us or not, we are still the children of God. It is a fact. God the Father has made us his children. That's exactly who we are. Even if no one else recognizes that, it's true. However, although we presently know that we are children of God, there is something that we don't know. We know that we're a child of God, but there is something we don't know about this. John tells us it has not yet appeared what we will be. It hasn't appeared yet what we will be. In other words, God hasn't revealed to us the details of what we will be like in the future. Now, that's an amazing statement because John honestly says that even though he is an apostle, He doesn't know the precise details of what life will be like for the child of God in heaven because God hasn't revealed all that information to us. Now, he's revealed some things, but he hasn't revealed all of it. He has revealed that the future is wonderful for us. There's a glorious inheritance waiting for us. It's something to look forward to. We read in Romans chapter 8, Verse 18, for I consider, Paul said, that the sufferings of this present time are not worthy to be compared with the glory that's to be revealed to us. So there's great glory in the future. The future is only wonderful and great. And scripture does speak of a wonderful, incredible inheritance that's awaiting us in heaven. First Peter tells us that. First Peter chapter 1, starting in verse 3, Peter says, blessed be the God and Father of our Lord Jesus Christ who according to his great mercy has caused us to be born again to a living hope through the resurrection of Jesus Christ from the dead, to obtain an inheritance which is imperishable, undefiled, and will not fade away reserved in heaven for you, who are protected by the power of God through faith for a salvation ready to be revealed in the last time. There is a future aspect of salvation ready to be revealed by which God is protecting us for it. It is wonderful, it is great, it's our future. However, there are many things about the future, about life for us in heaven, that we don't know. And you know what? It's useless and even sinful to speculate. Let me show you 1 Corinthians chapter 13. 1 Corinthians chapter 13, where Paul writes in verse 12, for now we see in a mirror dimly. It's like we're looking at a a mirror that's not that clear. But then face-to-face, then in the future with the Lord, face-to-face. Now I know in part, but then I will know fully just as I also have been fully known. But he means right now, we don't know fully. The, The whole truth has not been revealed to us about the future. However, although we don't know all there is to know or even a great deal about what their life will be like for us in the future, we do know something very important about our future as John proceeds to tell us in verse 2. We know that when he appears, that is Christ, we will be like him because we will see him just as he is. What an incredible statement. What an incredible promise. John says, when we see Jesus Christ, when he comes for us at either the rapture or it be perhaps the resurrection, when we are raised from the dead, at least our bodies are raised from the dead at that point, John tells us that we are going to be like Jesus Christ. In other words, when Christ appears and we visually see him, at that very moment that we look upon him, we are going to be transformed forever to be like him. 
That's all we really need to know. That's essentially what's been revealed to us. Now, in what way, though, does John mean that we'll be like Christ? Well, he certainly doesn't mean that we're going to be little gods. Understand that. We're never going to be deity. We're not deity. We will never be equal to Christ. He is God, and we are simply redeemed people. When John says that we'll be like Christ, he means that we will be like him in terms of holiness, character, righteousness, as well as we will have immortal, glorified, resurrected bodies just like his. This is what scripture teaches. For example, Philippians chapter 3, where Paul closes chapter 3 by saying in verses 20 and 21, for our citizenship is in heaven from which also we eagerly wait for a savior, the Lord Jesus Christ, who will transform the body of our humble state into conformity with the body of his glory by the exertion of the power that he has even to subject all things to himself. That is to say, when we see Christ, he's going to change our body to be like his body, glorified, resurrected, immortal. 1 Corinthians chapter 15 says essentially the same thing. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 50, Paul says, Now I say this, brethren, that flesh and blood cannot inherit the kingdom of God, nor does the perishable inherit the imperishable. That is to say, you're not going to heaven in the body you have right now. Behold, I tell you a mystery. We will not all sleep, but we will all be changed in a moment, in the twinkling of an eye, at the last trumpet, for the trumpet will sound in the dead, he says, will be raised imperishable, and we will be changed. For this perishable must put on the imperishable, and this mortal must put on immortality. He's talking about the human body now. But when this perishable will have put on the imperishable and this mortal will have put on immortality, then will come about the saying that is written, death is swallowed up in victory. Then there's no more death. Your body becomes immortal, never to die again. You see, the moment we are saved, understand, and I said this a little bit this morning, God begins to make us like Jesus Christ in terms of our character. Theologians call this progressive sanctification, that Those terms are not used in the Bible, but the concept is there. That is to say, it is the experience of every child of God that we grow spiritually. We we mature. We daily become more and more like Christ in, in his character. It may not feel this way because we hate our sin, but we do grow. We become more loving, more patient, gentler, more holy than we ever have. You look back at what you were when you were initially saved, you have made progress. But God's ultimate goal in sanctifying us is to make us not a little bit like his son, which we are now, but completely like his son. That is our destiny, folks. That's what God has predestined for us. The the term predestined is actually about that. We have been predestined to be conformed to his image. That's Romans. Look at Romans chapter 8. Romans 8, 28, and then 29. And we know that God causes all things to work together for good to those who love God, to those who are called according to his purpose. God is using everything in life to make us more like Christ, in which he says he's called according to his purpose. What is his ultimate purpose in our lives? Verse 29, for whom he foreknew, he also predestined to become conformed to the image of his son. That's God's ultimate purpose for us, to be 
like Jesus Christ. Now watch this. This progressive sanctification, this transforming of our character, which starts at salvation and is taking place right now every day, happens as we spend time in the word of God, looking upon Christ from the pages of scripture. We look upon him, we gaze at him, we apply these truths, we become more like him. But John tells us that the moment we look upon Jesus Christ with our physical eyes, which none of us have ever seen him, but the moment we do see him and we have a face-to-face encounter with him, this sanctifying transformation will be complete. Because at that time, the time we see him, we will become perfectly like him. Folks, that is the future for every child of God. That's what we have to look forward to. You don't have to speculate about other things. That's enough. So if your unsaved friends have no clue as to your real identity right now as a child of God, don't let that discourage you. Someday, it'll be obvious to everybody who you really are, that you're a child of God, because Christ is going to transform you completely into his image. And you are going to have character just like his and a body like his, a body that's not not bound by time or space, a body that is immortal, a body that will never perish. Listen to these helpful words by John MacArthur from his book, Glory of Heaven. He writes, the whole person, body and soul, will be made completely flawless. We can't envision it now, it doth not yet appear, but we will finally be holy and completely Christ-like. This is the very purpose for which God called us in eternity past, to be conformed to the image of his Son. And when we see Christ, we will instantly be made utterly perfect, for we shall see him as he is. Heaven, he writes, is a perfect place for people made perfect. Perfection is the goal of God's sanctifying work in us. He's not merely making us better than we are. He's conforming us to the image of his son. As much, and listen to this, as much as glorified humanity can resemble incarnate, exalted deity, we will resemble our Lord. And so we wait for that day. We long for that day that day when we will be completely transformed. Listen, there's coming a day, no more sin, no more struggles, no more temptations from the evil one. The groaning for glory will finally be over. But until that time comes, we're still children of God who do struggle with indwelling sin. But we have a responsibility as God's children to walk in a manner that pleases him. And so John closes this little section about being a child of God by giving us one final truth about the children of God. They are children of God because simply the Father's love. Children of God are not recognized, not understood by the world. Children of God will someday be like Christ. And then finally, he tells us, Children of God are in the process of purifying their lives. Verse 3. And everyone who has this hope fixed on him purifies himself just as he is pure. John tells us that every one of us who has this hope of seeing Christ and of becoming perfectly like him continues to purify himself daily. This is not ritualistic purification. This simply means that as we contemplate 
Christ and becoming like Christ in, in righteous character when he appears, we focus on that. We'll strive for personal purity and righteousness in our daily lives. In other words, just knowing that someday we're going to be fully like him motivates us to be more and more like him today. Knowing that that's our destiny to be like Christ, we don't fool around with sin. We purify our lives even as he is pure. The Apostle Paul made that the pressing goal of his life. I'd like you to turn to Philippians chapter 3 as we bring this to a close. Philippians chapter 3. Because this is precisely what Paul is talking about. This was the driving force in Paul's life. Philippians chapter 3, verse 10. He said, That I may know him and the power of his resurrection and the fellowship of his sufferings being conformed to his death in order, note this, that I may attain to the resurrection from the dead. I think he's talking exactly what John is talking about. That, that time of the resurrection when we see him, when we'll be like him. Because he goes on to say, not that I have already obtained it. I haven't obtained this, this perfection. I haven't obtained it or have already become perfect, but I press on. I press on so that I may lay hold of that for which also I was laid hold of by Christ Jesus. Why did Jesus Christ lay hold of Paul? Why did he lay hold of you to make you like him. Paul said, I have not attained it, but I'm pressing on daily. That's what I want. I want to lay hold of Christ for which he laid hold of me to be like him. Brethren, he writes, I do not regard myself as having laid hold of it yet, but one thing I do, I forget what lies behind. I reach forward to what lies ahead. I press on toward the goal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. That upward call when I will see him face to face and be like him. Paul knew that someday he was going to be like Christ. So that was the pressing drive in his life. Is that true of you? Is that your ambition? It ought to be. If you are a child of God, it will be. It is. You're loved by the Father, unrecognized by the world, destined to be like Christ and pressing forward to be pure and holy like Christ right now. That's what we are. That's what we'll become. Let's pray. Father, thank you for for saving us. Lord, thank you for making us your children. We are children right now in reality. And someday, Lord, we'll be perfected. May that be a conscious truth in our minds every day. May we wake up tomorrow thinking, maybe today, and may it motivate us to be more like Christ daily. Lord, we pray that we will be just like Paul wrote, wrote about himself, that we will press forward to be more like Christ in every manner. Convict us of our sin. Enable us to repent. Help us to apply biblical truth to our lives to be more like Jesus and to glorify you more and more. We pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Amen. Our original design and function is to be like Christ, but sin has so damaged us and all of creation that Paul wrote in Romans chapter 8, the whole creation groans and suffers the pains of childbirth together until now. 
And not only this, but also we ourselves, having the first fruits of the Spirit, even we ourselves groan within ourselves, waiting eagerly for our adoption as sons, the redemption of our body. When Christ returns, that adoption and transformation will be complete, and as John said, we will be like him. What a great day that will be. Thanks for listening today to Verse by Verse, a radio Bible class taught by Pastor Steve Kreloff of Lakeside Community Chapel in Clearwater, Florida. If you'd like to know more about Lakeside, visit their website, lakesidechapel.com, or call the phone number that I'll give you in just a moment. Today's broadcast is the third part of a three-part message from 1 John. And the message is part of a series of messages Pastor Steve delivered at Lakeside about how to recognize the children of God. If you'd like to request a free CD with the whole message, call 727-239-0306 and ask for message 8732, Righteousness and the Children of God, Part 2. That's also the number to call if you'd like to find out about Lakeside or if you have questions about what you heard during today's broadcast. Once again, it's 727-239-0306. Verse by Verse is a ministry of Lakeside Community Chapel. You can listen again to any of our broadcasts at our website, versebyverseradio.org. Click on the message archive link. If the Lord is speaking to you about being a part of our support team, we hope you'll prayerfully consider that. Information about how to give is also on the website, versebyverseradio.org. I'm your announcer, Jerry Peterson. We invite you to listen next time to... Three-star general, Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal record to the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.